I, I feel like this morning that uh, I have a word from God. I believe it will apply to everybody that's here. I'm excited to share uh, with you th- this word, and, and, and I hope that you're ready to receive. I mean, I hope you came with expectation. I hope that you came this morning to ready to respond to, to God and to the Word of God, to receive the Word of God, because listen, you know, the, the attitude you have determines the atmosphere that you create, and the atmosphere that you create determines the experience that you have. So it's important that we come, number one, with the right attitude. And the right attitude is the attitude of expectation. That I want to hear from God, I want to receive from God, and then I'm going to give back to God through my worship, through my, my giving. That this is, you know, every healthy relationship is, is mutual. There, it's beneficial for both parties. And so, you know, when we come and, and we're worshiping God, we're giving God the glory that is due Him. We worship and praise Him, but in return, the Bible says it's more gift, uh, more uh, more blessed to give than to receive. But God will not be outdone. He said, "Give, and it shall be given unto you." Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. Now, we're not just talking about the financial part of it; we're talking about the spiritual part of it. So, I believe God has something for each of us this morning, and I hope that uh, you come ready to receive uh, that. This morning. So, Mark chapter number four, we're going to start reading at verse number 35. If you're there, say amen. I want to talk about facing our fears. Every one of us have dealt with, is dealing with, or will deal with the issue of fear. I don't think that we take fear serious enough in a spiritual sense because fear has almost become an acceptable thing in the church. Now, we, we won't necessarily say that, that, that we want fear to control us, but fear controls our lives uh, a whole lot more than what we are willing to acknowledge. And I want to make a statement here. And that is, to the degree that you are controlled by fear is equal to the degree that evil has control over your life. I want you to look at fear as something that is evil. I want you to know something. Fear is a demonic spirit. Fear is a real demonic spirit that seeks to cripple and paralyze and stop you from doing and becoming everything that God created you to be. If, 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 you, if I were to ask you the question, what would you do if you were, for God, if you were ten times bolder than you are right now? What would that be? What would you attempt for God? Everybody in here has a calling you have a purpose, you have a destiny, but instead of wholeheartedly, day in, day out, responding to God, oftentimes what we do is we allow our insecurities, which is a form of fear, a powerful form of fear, to dictate what we do and what we don't do. And I can promise you, when you let fear dictate your life, that is not pleasing to God. 
Now, I'm not saying that in a condemning way. I'm just saying if you're here this morning and you've allowed fear to become uh, an acceptable thing in your life, then we need to repent of that because that's wrong. It's, it's sinful. It's not God. The Bible says there's only one way to please God, that without what? Faith. It's impossible to please God. You know, no matter how you think, what you think about yourself, how you feel about yourself, how you identify yourself, listen, when you don't allow your identity to align with who God says that you are, what happens is you become less than, you are limited. You've allowed fear to limit you. So if, if there's something that you would attempt to do for God, if you were ten times bolder than what you really are, then really watch, if there's just one thing, if there's just one thing that you would do if you, if you were ten times more bold uh, for God, then you have allowed fear to limit you. You've allowed fear to dictate what you do and what you don't do. I'm wondering this morning, how many of you is God, he's dealing with you about doing something for him, for his kingdom, in the ministry, whatever that may be, but you have allowed fear to dictate what you do and what you don't do. Today, you need to draw a line in the sand and say, never again. Now, it's impossible to live without the feelings of fear. You know, there's over 2,000 documented cases that people have written down that are pertain to fear and phobias. For me, snakes get me. I'm scared of snakes. I am scared. I don't know why I'm scared of snakes, but I'm scared of snakes. But God wants me to face my fear, so he sends me to Africa where everything in Africa is trying to kill you, especially snakes. I've got some pictures of some gigantic snakes. Now, I'm still afraid of snakes, but fear does not dictate whether I go to Africa or not. And we baptized 91 people in the river, okay? The whole time I'm envisioning this python. And I would like to have said I was super spiritual and I was, you know, brave and I was, you know, all this and that. But I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, gosh, there's too many people to baptize. Can't we get more help here? So we baptized for like two hours. And so the fish would bite my toe. I mean, the name of the father, the son. I never closed my eyes once praying for anybody. But we, but we baptized, I mean, I like, but here's the thing. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is doing what God has called you to do in the face of fear. And so we have to confront the fear in our life. You can't conquer fear if you tolerate it. So let me get into this message before I get into this message. Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 35. It said, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And the other little boats were also with him. 
And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that they were already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep, on a pillow. And his disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now notice their response to his question. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. I pray that you just give us revelation knowledge in our heart pertaining to the issue of fear. Lord, I pray that you expose any fear that may be in control in our life, limiting us, keeping us from becoming and doing everything you've created us to be and do. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just speak clearly to us, help us to receive from your word, and be quick to apply it, Lord. Lord, we don't want to tolerate fear anymore. We don't want to allow fear to limit us another day. We want to please you, and we want to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. Facing our fears. Fear is something that everybody has to deal with. Everybody in this room has dealt with fear. Some may be dealing with fear, and others are going to deal with fear in the future. But fear is one of the most powerful weapons that Satan uses to attack us and ultimately to keep us in bondage. The devil uses fear to keep the world under his control and under his authority the same way that God uses faith to set us free. So there's a battle between faith and fear. Every day, internally, in our hearts and in our minds, there's a constant battle whether we're going to choose to have faith or we're going to choose to live in fear. The battle between faith and fear is a very important one. So important that the battle between faith and fear will ultimately determine and direct the course of your life. Your life will be directed. Your destiny will be affected. Your purpose, your assignment will be impacted by whether you choose to respond with faith or whether you choose to respond with fear. What you choose will determine the, whether you live in victory or, or whether you live in defeat. But all of us will have to choose. All of us have to choose. And it's not enough to choose whether we're going to live uh, in faith or live in fear. We have to not just choose, but we have to fight for what we choose in order to overcome fear. Because until we face our fear, until we make the choice to face our fear and to respond to God in faith, Fear will continue to limit our lives. We will not be able to reach our potential. We won't be able to make the impact that God has created us to, to make. We won't do what God's called us to do. We won't respond the right way. We will miss out on so much more that God has in store for our life. 
And, and so we can't allow this fear to, to, to t- be tolerated in our life. Uh, another moment in another day, we, we have to choose. We have to then fight for it because only when we face our fear and then overcome it will we ever be able to experience the kind of freedom that releases us to be who God created us to be. I want you, are, you, are you listening to me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm saying there's so much more that's still available for you in your life that is being held back because you're unwilling to face your fear and then choose to respond in faith to overcome your fear because you've allowed it to become almost an acceptable thing in your life. Jesus says to his disciples in this story, he says, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? Now, you read in the Bible over and over again, Jesus makes this same statement. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, right? Now, what Jesus is meaning in that statement is he's not offering a suggestion. He's not saying if if you could not, if you could try not to fear, it would be a good thing. He's not, he's not saying this is optional for Christian. This is optional. You can, you know, you can, you know, you can take it or leave it. He's not issuing a suggestion. He is issuing a command. We are commanded not to be afraid. We are commanded by Jesus not to tolerate fear. He's not saying, you know, if you can work this into your life, if you can have enough faith, if you could just, you know, uh, 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 remove some of these things. He's issuing a command. Now, that's important. It's important for us to realize. He is commanding us, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now, something else that that statement tells us is this. Now, you may disagree with this, but... That's your, that's your prerogative. Fear is a choice. I like to scare people. And video it. I don't know why, but it's, it brings joy to my life. I just like it. I'm not talking about being scared. There's a difference between being scared and then being afraid. You understand what I'm saying? And so, fear is when we experience, uh, uh, have a real experience with something that is so overwhelming that it paralyzes us and we refuse to move forward. Understand what I'm saying? When I'm talking about fear, you know, I'm talking about what Paul said to Timothy. He said, God has not given you a spirit of fear. But there's a lot of people in the Bible, and that's what I love about it, that dealt with fear. Moses dealt with fear. He had fears about God. He had fears about Pharaoh. He had fears about himself. He had fears about the calling that God had placed on his life. He was full of fear. When Moses died and Joshua became the leader, he was filled with fear. He, was, he dealt with fear because it says in Joshua chapter 1, many, many times, he says to Joshua, he says, Joshua, only be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. 
I mean, anytime the Bible repeats itself on multiple times, you know, God's trying to make a point here. What do you think Joshua was feeling for God to speak to him and to respond to him that way? What kind of feeling do you think he was experiencing? Fear. He was dealing with fear. Elijah dealt with fear. Timothy dealt with fear. So all of us deal with certain types of fear that we have to confront and overcome. But fear is a choice. And the reason fear is a choice is because believing is a choice. You know, how do you keep from being fearful? By choosing to believe. Listen, just like uh, believing is a choice... Fear, in the same way, is also a choice. So we have to choose to not be afraid. We have to choose to not be fearful. We have to choose not to allow our anxieties to keep us where we're at. And we have to choose to respond in faith to God, knowing that God is faithful. Amen? Here's the truth. We fear too much because we trust too little. We fear too much because we trust too little. And I'm going to give you four things that, that you need to remember if you're going to face your fears and overcome them, okay? Everybody here, you're going to have to know these four things. You're going to have to remember those four things. And the first thing that you have to remember is that you have to remember the promise of God. Now, look at what it says in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus had just said to them, what? Let us cross over to the other side. Well, I wonder what he meant by that. What do you think he meant? Talk to me, somebody. What do you think? There's no trick question. What do you think? Jesus said what he meant and meant what he said. Notice he doesn't say, well, you're going to make it halfway, and then you're going down. Notice it doesn't say that you're going to drown. Notice it doesn't say that the storm is going to take you. Jesus had just told his disciples, let us get in the boat and let us go over to the other side. Now, within moments of him saying that, minutes probably, there's a storm that's going on. And what, how do the disciples respond? They think they're going to die. My question is, how can you possibly die when Jesus just told you we're going to the other side? How's it possible for you to die when Jesus said we're going to the other side? He had just told them this. And for some reason in human nature, we're, we're very, very, very forgetful. He didn't say that we would go halfway. He didn't say that the boat was going to sink. He didn't say that, that they were going to drown. He said, we're going to the other side regardless of what we have to go through in order to get there. What we do is we allow circumstances, situations, adversities, difficulties, bad hair days, somebody offending us, whatever that may be, it doesn't take much to get us tore all to pieces and we just totally and completely forget that Jesus said we're going to the other side. Every one of us is going somewhere. 
We are going to a better place. There are better promises. There are greater things. There's so He said, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are good and not evil to give you a hope and a future. But some of you have the same mindset that the disciples had. You think that what you're going through right now is going to finish you. This is going to be it. You're not going to make it. It's going to take you out. You've accepted defeat. And you've allowed the devil to lie to you or intimidate you from stepping out and believing God that he's going to turn it around. He said, we're going to the other side. Regardless of what we have to go through. Psalms 103 verse 2. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me, and forget not all of his benefits. One of the most important things that you can do when you're facing your fears and want to overcome it is remember what God said. Now put that back up there for me. The disciples are fearful, right? They have already forgotten what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? Talk to me. What did he say? What did he mean? Listen, some of you have forgotten what he told you before you got into the storm that you're in right now. And he said he's going to take you through it to the other side of where he wants you to be at. But you have become fearful because you've forgotten what God's promised you. If you forget what God promised you, you will lose and live defeated for the rest of your life. The Bible says through faith and patience we obtain the promises of God. The Bible says that you have need of perseverance. That after you have done the will of God that you might obtain the promise. So, the disciples have forgotten within moments. I wonder what you might have forgotten because of what's been going on around you. And now fear's gripped you because you've doubted what God said. So, if you're going to make it through it, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to remember the promises. Here's the second thing. The second thing is... You have to remember the presence of God. You have to remember the presence of God. Look what it says here. Next slide. It ain't going, is it? If it ain't going, it ain't going. Mark 4, 36. Now they took him along in the boat. Now, who's in the boat with them? Jesus. And let me tell you something. I don't care what storm you're going through. When God is all that you have, God's all that you need. I don't care how many people have come against you. I don't, know, I don't care how many demons have come against you. I don't care what kind of hell has broken loose in your life. You and God are a majority. And if you, know, you want to know what God's address is, it's Psalms 46.1. The Lord is a present help. In time of trouble. Where's God at? God's always in trouble. If you're looking for God, you will find him 
in the present trouble that you are in. Isn't that good news? So he's, he's with you in the struggle. The storm was going on, and he was with his disciples. Where at? In the boat. Listen, who's in your boat is more important than what's in your boat. And when Jesus is in your boat, you're going to the other side. Why? Because he said, we're going to the other side. But you need to remember that. But the second thing you got to remember is you got to remember that he's with you. He didn't just say it. He owns it. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but will go with you even to the ends of the earth. I want you to know something. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but I can promise you this much. You're not at the end. This is not the end. In your mind, you may think it's over. It can never be repaired. It can never be restored. It can never be changed. It would take a miracle for it to happen. You need to remember something. The miracle worker is in the boat. So you got to remember the, the presence of God. Listen, the Lord is a present help in time of trouble. God is with us when the sun's shining. He is with us. When the storm is raging, circumstances never dictate God's presence. Isaiah 43, 2, you know what it says? When you go through the waters, I will be. That's good news. If you're going to face your fears, if you are facing a storm, he's even with you. In the storm. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Now, here's something I want to point out. Satan is always looking for an opportunity to attack us with fear. Okay? Now, in this particular story that we just read, Satan is using the forces of nature to attack Jesus and his disciples. Okay? And, and, and here's what it says in verse 39. It says, Then he arose... And rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Now, that's important for us to get, okay? I'm just trying to teach a few things because I want you to be able to apply them. He, he says, he says, he arose, he, he spoke to the winds, to the sea, told it to be calm, and there was a great calm as a result of it. He said, Peace, be still. What that verse actually translates in the original Greek language is be muzzled. So he spoke to the storm and he said, be muzzled. Now, why is that important? The reason that's important is because that is the same terminology that Jesus used when the woman brought her son in the synagogue that had a demon that was crying out of him, and he speaks to this demon and he says, be muzzled. Now, what has that got to do with the storm? Well, what I believe this is saying in this story and in this particular storm is that the origin of this storm was demonic. Because here's the thing. It says, there arose from the depth a great storm. That's not the way storms come. Storms come down from the sky, right? But this storm arose from the depths. This was a satanic storm. Now, some of you, you're going through a satanic storm. 
And you need to realize something, that Jesus is with you because it may be crazy, but it's going to get crazier, but you don't have to go crazy in the midst of craziness. But how do you respond to the storm? If you are fearful, if, if you are overwhelmed, if, if you become, if you are a worrier, that's just a good indicator of where you put your trust. You approach the storm as if all of this is on you. When the Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He said that God directs our paths. He establishes our thoughts. And so it's important to realize that even in the midst of a demonic storm, Jesus can speak to this storm, be muzzled, and there can be calm here. But I believe this story shows that the origin of this storm was demonic. Now listen to this. I also think that this helps explain why Jesus responded the way that he did to the storm. Because he wasn't going to allow the devil to disturb his rest. Jesus was resting. Got it? He gets up. He speaks to this satanic storm. Be muzzled. And everything is calm. I wonder how many of you have had your rest disturbed because you've become fearful and you've chosen to fear instead of choosing faith. Fear doesn't add anything positive in your life. You know what? Fear is actually faith for the things you don't want to happen in your life. Fear actually draws those things that you don't want to happen into your life instinctively. You know, even dogs, I mean, they'll, they'll tell you this, that animals, for example, dogs that are typically calm, loving, that, that if they're around somebody that is fearful and afraid, guess what happens? They can sense that fear, and all of a sudden this animal that's normally very loving, that you can, you know, playful, all of a sudden becomes very aggressive because it senses fear. Demons are the same way. Some of you have invited demonic stuff in your life not knowing because you've allowed your fear, your anxiety, and your worry to draw like a magnet because you've opened up yourself to something that you didn't even know actually possible but just like Jesus spoke and said be muzzled peace be still that's what he wants to do for you this morning so if you've got some craziness in your life if you are dealing with anxiety and worry fearfulness whatever that may be in your life listen he spoke it then he can speak it now Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever amen so the Lord's present you get anything out of this? Now, even though Jesus was in the boat, the disciples referred to Jesus as teacher, right? But somebody 
is in the boat that's far more than just a teacher. He's the master teacher. But he's not just a master teacher. Jesus is the master of everything. But they forgot that. And when the master of everything is with you, I promise you it's going to be all right. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be all right. Now, here's the third thing. You got to remember the promise of God. You got to remember the presence of God. Third thing is you got to remember the peace of God. Oh, hallelujah. The peace of God. Listen, one of the ways that Satan is able to fill our lives with fear is to rob us of peace. Now, I want to make this statement. Wherever the will of God is, the peace of God is, okay? Wherever the will of God is, the peace of God is. These disciples are right in the middle of the will of God. Sometimes being right in the center of the will of God leads you right into a storm. Sometimes being right in the center of the will of God leads you into a very fearful place to test your faith to see what you've put your faith in. But I can promise you this much, the safest place that you can be is directly in the center of the will of God. You know, people tell me all the time about going on missions trips. They say, listen, you don't need to go over there to that foreign country. You're going to get killed over there. You know what I tell them? I said, I would rather be in the will of God in the bush of Africa than out of the will of God in Manchester, Kentucky. It's much safer than that. And I mean that. Listen, if you don't want to die, sit in my lap because I'm coming back. I ain't going to die when Jesus is with me. I'm not saying that arrogantly. I'm not, listen, I'm going to live until I die. I'm not going to let fear tell me what I can and can't do. I've only got one life to live for Jesus, and I will live for it. I can only die once for Jesus, and if that's what he asked me to do, I want to be willing to do that too. Because whether I live or die, I'm the Lord's, right? So I'm not going to let fear. You know what? When you have really given yourself and surrendered yourself to God, it's almost like you're a dead man. And you know what? A dead person is the freest person around I mean, if we had a, a coffin here with a dead person in it, and we come up to that person in this coffin, and we call them every name under the sun, do you think they'd raise up and go like, oh, that hurt my feelings? No. Do you think they get mad? No. Do you think they get offended? No. Do you think they get, you know, angry? No. And do you think a dead person is afraid of dying? Why should we? Paul said, I die daily. Problem is, they just too much of our flesh that's living. So you got to remember the peace of God. Outside of the will of God, there's nothing that I want. Inside the will of God, there's nothing I fear. Verse 40. Now, he told them they're going to the other side. He's with them in the boat. Storm comes. They're freaking out. And they're overwhelmed with fear. And Jesus gently corrects his disciples, and he says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, here's the thing. Jesus wasn't upset at his disciples for waking him up. 
Jesus wasn't even concerned that they disturbed his sleep. Jesus was concerned because his disciples were disturbed and concerned. He said, why are you fearful? Where's your faith at? Why, why has this overwhelmed you? Why have you allowed this to, to, to grip you with such fear? Where's your faith at? Now listen, verse 37, here's the real issue with his disciples. You can hear the real problem by the question that they ask Jesus. Isn't this a weird question to ask in the middle of the storm? Look what it says. Do you not care that we're perishing? The real issue was they did not believe Jesus cared. Isn't that what the devil tells you when you're going through something? If God really cared about you, he wouldn't make you go through this. If God really cared about you, he wouldn't allow this to have happened. If God really loved you, then that would have never took place. If, if God really loved you, and so Satan wants you to take that lie and run with it. Their question is, don't you care? Well, let me ask you a question. Does God care? Yes, he cares. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Jesus cares but the devil wants to say you know what if he really loved you he wouldn't let you went through this go to this next slide listen to this i'm about to wrap it up here in just a second satan uses fear to destroy our peace if he can destroy our peace he can destroy our faith if he destroys our faith, he destroys our life. Okay? But the moment you lose peace is the moment all hell's getting ready to break loose in your life. The moment you lose your peace, you've either forgotten what God said, forgotten that God is with you, and forgotten that even in the will of God, if a storm is happening, you're still in a safe place. I wonder how many of you right now, you have no peace. Your mind is tormented. You constantly worry. You can't rest. You toss. You turn. You, you're, you're tired. You're, you're overwhelmed. Your life is out of control. There's no peace. There's no rest. Because there's no faith. A lot of folks have more faith in the devil to destroy them than they do in God to save them. But Jesus, because he cares, he doesn't just calm the storm. He calms his disciples as well. Why are you fearful? I'm with you. I'm in the boat. Got this took care of. It's going to be all right. Didn't I say we were going to the other side? Some of you just need to, you know what? You, you hear this over and over and over again. It's not some big, deep, major theological revelation that you're receiving, but a lot of you think it's too good to be true for you. A lot of you think, you know what? It can't be that simple. 
Listen, the devil makes things complicated. He's the author of confusion. Amen? Here's the last thing. You have to remember the power of God. If you're going, then go and come to music. If you're going to make it through the storm, you're going to face your fears, overcome your fears, you have to, number one, remember the promise of God. Number two, remember the presence of God. Number three, remember the peace of God. Number four, remember the power of God. Here's the truth in this story. But we're just like the disciples. The unbelief of the disciples caused Jesus more trouble than the winds and the waves ever did. Let me say that again. The unbelief of the disciples caused Jesus greater problems than the winds and the waves ever did. And that's the same that's true with us. It, you know, here's the thing. What happens around us is not nearly as important as what happens within us. And what happens in you is more important than what happens to you. The problem is you allow what happens around you to affect what's in you and then that fear gets control, and as a result, you can come to church, you can hear a message just like this, and then walk right back out the door still as controlled by fears when you walked in. Some of you are still trying, you know, you're finding this hard to believe. That's the problem, unbelief. Now look what it says here in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. This has convicted the fire out of me this week says, Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief. Listen, it's tough. Unbelief is the result of an evil heart. I know it's hard. The thing about it is, it says, departing from the living God. It, listen, it was the disciples' unbelief that caused them to fear. That's why Jesus said, why are you so fearful? Where's your faith? It was their fear that caused them to question whether God really cared. Do you see this? chain reaction of consequences that come. If you're going to face your fears, you're going to have to deal with your unbelief. Because, listen, we've learned how to do church, right? We come here, we had, listen, and our worship team killed it this morning. They brought a little bit of heaven down on earth today. And you know what? Here, here's the thing. We can come and experience a wonderful service, you know, you know, powerful worship, hear a good word from God, and you know what? Do our nine-to-five thing, check in, check out, go home, and nothing change in our life because we've learned how to do this, and we've accepted unbelief, and we say well, it's always going to be this way, and we're going to let fear continue to overwhelm us and just cripple us. But unbelief is the result of an evil heart. You know, in Revelation 21, around verse 8, it begins to make a list of the kind of people that are going to be through in, uh, thrown in the lake of fire. And I'm sure that some of us, you know, we could name a few of them, you know. 
you know, idolaters, the sexually immoral, the blasphemers. You know, there's a list of them, okay? But do you know the first two categories of people that are listed in that group? The unbelieving and the fearful. Now that is convicting. Does that convict you? If it doesn't, I'm afraid for you. The unbelieving and the fearful. How often have we allowed both of those things, tolerated both of those things in our life? Because change didn't happen fast enough for us. Or we allowed the pain to turn into bitterness, that turned into resentment, that turned into anger. Now we're offended at God. We're offended at the church. And we're offended at other people. And our love has grown cold. And we've just accepted it. We've tolerated it. We said, it's the way it's always going to be. The Bible says that Jesus arose, rebuked the storm, said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. I believe with all of my heart, that's what God wants to do for some of you this morning. Stand with me. John chapter 4 verse 8 says that there is no fear in love for love casts out all fear for fear involves torment. If anybody fears they've not been made perfect or mature in love. And what that is saying is this. Until you have settled all of the insecurities in your life in the love that God has for you, you're going to struggle and battle with fear. And again, it's one thing to, to theologically know that God loves you we quote John 3, 16. We can sing the song, I'm a child of God. It's one thing to sing it. It's another thing to feel like that you are one. It's one thing to know that theologically. It's another thing to know it experientially. And God wants to settle that issue in your life. Because here's the thing. If there's insecurity in your life, it's the result of the fact that you don't really know how loved you are by God. And here's what the Bible says. He said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And you know what's the best thing about that? It's true. It's true. But we've got it here. We don't have it here. And so the devil says, God doesn't really care. He doesn't love you like that. He may love Clay like that, or he may 
love others like that, but he doesn't love you like that. And then he reminds you, listen, Satan calls you by your sin. God calls you by your name. And so, true boldness can only be driven by a love that is greater than fear. And I want you to know that God loves you more than the devil could ever hurt you. He's opening up his arms. And he's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He wants you to come to him this morning. And he wants you to settle some issues that are unsettled in your heart about you and him. The Bible says you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but by the precious blood of the Lamb. He loved you so much that he poured out his life blood to buy and purchase you back from the devil. Not only did he ransom and redeem, he set us free from the curse of sin and death has given us an eternal home with Him in heaven. He's given us purpose and destiny, a calling, gifts, talents, abilities, not so we can sit here and be good religious people, but that we can make a difference in the lives of other people. But if you fear what other people think about you more than what God thinks about you, you're in bondage. You are under the control of evil. Because to the degree that you are afraid or fearful is equal to the degree that evil has control of your life and fear is evil. Fear of man is evil. Fear of rejection is evil. Fear of death is evil. Fear fear of failure is evil. It's not acceptable. There's no failures in heaven. There's no rejects in heaven. only overcomers and that's you and that's you and that's you and that's you it's time for you to embrace that I'm closing the Tartar tribe from Central Asia spoke a curse over their enemies and the curse that they spoke over their enemies was not that the earth would swallow up and, you know, swallow, open up and swallow them whole. They didn't speak a curse that they would die of some sickness or disease. This was what the curse was. They simply said, may you stay in one place forever. I want you to know something. That will be your fate if you do not face your fears and respond in faith. It's a curse to remain where you are when God says you're going to the other side. It's a curse for this church to remain as it is now when God says there's so much more that's available if you do not allow fear to keep you from it. So what kind of fear are you dealing with?
Father, thank you. Lord, I, I sense your spirit. Lord, I believe that you're moving throughout this building and you're speaking to our hearts. I pray, God, right now, I bind the spirit of fear. I take authority over it in the name of Jesus. And I drive it out that today is a day that we, that we draw a line in the sand and not another day will we accept fear as a dominant force in our life. We're going to respond to you. We're going to respond in faith. We want to experience the freedom to become who you created us to be. I want to ask you right now, if you're dealing with any form of fear whatsoever, and this is going to be a test for some of you guys because fear is already dealing, is already trying to uh, control you as it is. If you're dealing with fear in any form, I want you just to come up here and stand. Just come up here and stand. We're going to pray. And I believe there will be more people than we can even lay hands on and pray for. everybody those of you that have not responded yet why are you fearful why are you fearful I believe the Lord is going to come here he's going to speak peace over your life don't you want to have the peace of God just, just a few more moments anybody else want to come dealing with you. Some of you guys would come here pray. I know there's lots of folks up here. Some of you ladies, some of you men. Yeah. yeah I know you got the baby. whatever form of fear that you're dealing with if you're willing just to take him at his word we don't have to have some kind of preconceived idea of what we want to happen we just need to acknowledge our dependency and say Lord I need you to set me free from fear so I'm just going to pray a prayer as I pray a prayer over you guys as the Lord begins to just speak to you or deal with you, I want you just to open up your own mouth and just speak from your own mouth the things that you specifically need God to free you from. If it's re rejection, if it's, if it's uh, failure, if it's your past, or if it's what God's called you to do, whatever that may be, speak it out of your mouth and say, Lord, I want free from it today. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you this morning that these folks have come and they are confronting the fear that has been controlling them for so long. And God, today, 
As we confront this fear, we first of all, we repent for being fearful. And we say, God, forgive us because we don't want to be fearful. We want to be people of faith. And so we take you by your word this morning. And we say yes to you and yes to your word and yes to your will. And Lord, right now, we renounce fear and we break ties with all fear. And God, we invite you into this place in our lives where we've allowed anxiety and, and, and adversity and, and, and overwhelming feeling in our mind and our hearts, our emotions, God. And we ask you to come and we speak peace. Peace. Remind your people of the promises you have broken over them. Speak to them this morning. Now just open up your mouth right now. Just tell, tell them what, what you've been dealing with.